He is risen. <laughs> All right. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Dominic. I'm one of the pastor elders here today. Uh, and always, as, as Billy said, we are going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 27. It will be at that website, uh, realityventura.com slash lyrics. It will also be up on the screens. Hey, there's, I don't know, 500 people or something here right now. And there's another couple hundred viewing on YouTube live at home. Can we just show them some love real quick? <laughs> love you guys. All right. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was alive, that deceiver, referring to Jesus, said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, "'Do not be afraid.'" For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Friends, this is the good news, the word of God. Let us pray once more together. Lord, thank you for every single person gathered in this space today. Thank you for this beautiful morning here in Ventura. As we feel the gentle breeze and feel the sunshine, we know that it actually gives glory to you. We ask now that you would speak to us in the miraculous way that only you can. We ask for the believer that our hearts would be encouraged. We ask for the person who doesn't yet know you that today that they would be surprised by your love and surprised by your hope. 
And we pray for the person today who knows you but has been kind of far from you, that you would, in your loving kindness, bring them back home today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So for three years, these men and women, the disciples of Jesus, his followers, followed him everywhere that he went. They had left the comfort and normalcy of their lives behind and had given themselves fully to the mission of Jesus. They stood by and watched as he showed compassion to the lowliest of society. They saw his unconditional love poured out for the marginalized and the outcast. And they watched as he exercised authority and power, healing lifelong diseases, casting out demons, telling winds and waves to stop, and even raising dead people back to life. They, like all of Israel, had been anxiously awaiting the arrival of their savior, their Messiah, their king. And they, like all of Israel, assumed that when Messiah came, that he would overturn the oppressive tyranny of Rome who had occupied Israel at that time. And so as they followed Jesus for those three years, they assumed that all of this compassion all of his love, all of his power and authority was going to lead to some kind of social and political revolution. Surely the ministry of Jesus, their king, would climax in him overturning the Roman government and setting up a new government, a new political system right there in the heart of Israel. And then one week before he was crucified, Jesus rides into Jerusalem, the capital city, on a donkey, which is what kings did when they came back from battle victorious. And so hundreds of people see him coming in and they lay down their robes before him and they take palm branches and they wave him toward him and they, they yell out, Hosanna, Hosanna. It means save us now. Jesus, here you are. You're the king, right? And the king has come to save us. So Lord, save us now. And this is what they hoped for, even expected. And Jesus would save them, but not in the way that they thought. Because Jesus didn't come to deliver us from political and social oppression. He came to deliver us from something much more dangerous. He came to deliver us from sin and eternal death. But he would do it in the most unexpected way. And so when Jesus came into Jerusalem that week riding on the donkey, instead of heading to the capital, he headed to a place called Calvary. And there his followers watched as he was mocked, scorned, brutally beaten, and eventually crucified. For three years, hope had grown in the hearts of his followers. 
Hope that Jesus was there to save them. Every time he performed a miracle, hope must have grown in their hearts. Like, oh, this is right. I mean, come on. This has got to be the Savior. Look at what he's doing. Every time he taught a new life-changing lesson with authority, hope must have expanded in their hearts. And then he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey like only victorious kings do. Surely Jesus is here to save us. Hope was growing in his people. But then as they watched him be nailed to a tree, I imagine that hope began to fade. And there on the cross with one final breath, he cried out, it is finished. It's such a victorious declaration. It sounds so conclusive. It is finished. But then with that last breath, he died. And I can't imagine what his followers must have felt like. What his mother who stood by and his brother and his, these men and women who had become like family to him must have felt. It is finished? What is finished, Lord? You, the same one who had authority over demons and diseases and storms, the one who, you brought dead people back to life, now you're, you're dead. And as they watched his lifeless body be taken down from the cross and buried in a tomb, I imagine that those words still echoed through the city and through their hearts. It is finished. What is finished, Jesus? We just watched you be crucified and die, and now we're looking at the tomb that holds your dead, lifeless body. The only thing that seems to be finished is hope. The hope that you were here to save us. Because their hope was in him, but now he was gone, and with him being gone, so their hope must have been gone. And as our text tells us, Jesus was laid in the tomb of a man named Joseph. He owned this tomb. And in tombs like this, you would lay the body, and it was basically a, a cave carved out of a rocky hillside. And then you would take a stone that was carved in such a way, four to six feet in diameter, weighing in between two and 4,000 pounds. In case you didn't know, that's about the, the weight of your car. And then it was rolled in front of the tomb into a ditch that had been dug in front of the tomb. And then the text goes on to tell us that because there was fear that someone would try to come and steal the body of Jesus, a Roman guard was placed to guard the tomb. A Roman guard would have been a 16-soldier unit on 24-hour duty. And if any one of those 16 soldiers fell asleep, much less failed to protect the tomb, not only would his life have been taken, but his entire 16-person unit. So on that Friday, we call it Good Friday, Jesus died. He was buried and the tomb was sealed and guarded. And for his followers, as you can imagine, that was it. 
They thought he was the king who had come to save his people, but now he was dead and gone, and along with him, so their hope was dead and gone. But then Sunday came. And as these women arrived at the tomb of Jesus, not only did they find the squad of the most elite Roman soldiers lying paralyzed on the ground, but they saw the stone rolled away and some badical looking angel sitting on top of it, declaring, Jesus is not here. He has risen from the dead. Now these women had hope that Jesus would overthrow the government. They had hope that Jesus would continue to miraculously heal people and they would not have been surprised if he did. But this the stone rolled away, an angel and an empty tomb, this they never expected. Can you imagine the surprising hope that rose up in their hearts as they walked inside and saw the empty tomb where a couple days later they saw Jesus' body placed lifeless inside? You need to know today, friends, that Jesus is our surprising hope. Amen. Sometimes when we think about the events of the resurrection, we're like, well, you know what? I mean, it was 2,000 years ago. It's the Middle East. I don't live there, but weird stuff maybe happens over there. Maybe this was just a thing that happened sometimes. People died and then sometimes they came back to life. No, this is not a thing that happened. It's not a thing that happens. People don't just come back to life. These women were shocked at the empty tomb. You know, I bet it was surprising when Jesus appeared on earth as the savior, but didn't immediately make himself known. I bet it was surprising when he didn't work himself into the government ranks to overthrow the Roman rule from the inside out. Like I might've planned to do if, that was my purpose there. I bet it was surprising when he didn't try to become a religious leader in a synagogue in order to increase his influence and expand his platform. I bet it was surprising when he had no home of his own. Surprising when he didn't do the normal social thing of finding the best job he could and settling down. It was probably surprising when he showed honor to people like prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors. And it was probably surprising when Jesus entered into Jerusalem like victorious kings would, but not to rule from a throne, but to die on a cross. And you may find it surprising today when I tell you that hope may not be found where you have been looking for it. Maybe you, in your life, you have been hoping for a specific situation to turn out a certain way, and your expectation is that when the situation turns out that way, then there will be uh, some kind of improvement in my life, right? Things will get a little bit better. 
We all have a tendency to think things like, well, you know, when this finally happens, it'll, it'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'm just waiting for the right uh, job opportunity. I'm waiting for this thing to just come together. I'm waiting to, to, to just meet the right person. I'm waiting for, you know, my health to finally get on track. I'm waiting for my finances to finally get in order. And we have a tendency to put our hope in things like this. The problem is none of those things last. You can get the dream job, but jobs come and go, right? You may overcome the disease, but let's be honest, another one always comes eventually. You may experience joy from having your finances finally in order, but it will be short-lived. There is only one hope that lasts forever. In the Apostle Luke's account, the Gospel of Luke, he tells the same resurrection story, but he includes a detail that Matthew didn't include in the account that we just read. He tells us that the angel said to these women, why do you look for the living among the dead? The angel was saying, Jesus isn't here anymore because Jesus is alive and this is where dead people are. Why are you looking for living Jesus among dead people? There are some of us here today who have been looking for the living among the dead. You're looking for lasting, living hope. But you're looking for it in places that you will never find it. There is only one hope that lasts forever because there is only one hope that is alive forever. Jesus is living hope. Every other hope is dead because every other hope cannot and will not last. The reason that Jesus is living hope is because he himself is alive and is eternally alive forever. That is what the resurrection tells us, which means that those who find hope in Jesus do not just find it for this life, but also for the life to come. Jesus is not the kind of hope that temporarily uh, satisfies our physical need. Jesus is hope that eternally satisfies our spiritual need, which means that not only is Jesus our surprising hope, but Jesus is also our saving hope. It's wonderful that these women showed up to the tomb that day, surprised that Jesus wasn't there. It caught their attention, right? That's the cool thing about a surprise. It's like, yo, dude, hold, wait, what? The tomb, it's empty? This is, this is changing everything. Everything's changing right now. It snaps you to attention, right? And I hope that today your attention is snapped. <laughs> I hope that you are surprised by Jesus already this morning. But we don't celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because resurrections are exciting and surprising. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because of what it means for us. And what does it mean? The resurrection means saving hope for us. 
Because the resurrection means that everything Jesus said and did is true. And if everything that Jesus said and did is true, then we have hope. We in him have saving hope. On the other hand, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are to be most pitied among all people because our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, then everything he said and did means nothing and we have not been saved and we have no hope, Christian. Because let's be honest, there have been plenty of wonderfully inspiring religious leaders and figures throughout history. What makes Jesus any different than any of them? What makes him any different than Muhammad? What makes Jesus any different than Joseph Smith? or Buddha, or Gandhi. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, then he is no different than any of those guys. And his words mean nothing. And he cannot save us. But what makes Jesus different is that the tomb is empty. Listen. Let's be real. Every single one of those people that I just mentioned is dead in a tomb somewhere. I've been to the tomb of Jesus. I've walked inside. He's not there, folks. The tomb is empty. He has been risen from the dead. And if he has risen, then we can believe what he said. And what he said was that he was the savior of the world. What he said was that there was no other way to God except through him. What he said is that when you put your trust in him, that your sins are forgiven, that the slate is wiped clean, that your guilt and shame is removed and you are given everlasting life. That is what Jesus said. Jesus being raised from the dead means that death is not the end for those who trust in him. And that brings us hope and not just hope, but eternal saving hope. When Jesus died on that cross and he cried out what sounded like such a victorious cry, it is finished. He did it because it was a victorious cry. This is what he was talking about. The work was finished. Everything that needed to be done for our sins to be forgiven and for us to have eternal life was accomplished on the cross. Listen, Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, to take your sin from you. And when you put your trust in Jesus, your sins are washed away. White as snow. He takes your sin and gives you his righteousness so that you can stand blameless and innocent before God, not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done for you. For the person who puts their trust in Jesus, there is life after death, which means that we have hope now and forever. Because Jesus is alive, we have eternal hope, friends. He is our saving hope. And you need to know today that there is no other thing that can bring you lasting hope other than Jesus. 
You think you need this or you need that. And yes, you may have some real needs. We all do. But what you need more than anything else is a savior. What you need more than anything else is a savior. Jesus is the savior. The question is this. Listen, the question is this. Will you receive him as your savior? And for those of us who have received him, we need to know today that not only is Jesus our surprising hope and our saving hope, but Jesus is also our sending hope. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. I love discovering new good things. And then I love telling everyone about said new good thing. This is really silly, but when I discovered that Cetabello Pizza in Oxnard imported their flour from Italy, which meant that it wouldn't hurt my sensitive gluten sensitive stomach, I was shouting it from the rooftops because I really like pizza and I hadn't eaten pizza for like six years because I have like a gluten thing. And I told everybody that I knew, this is what you do when you realize you find something (laughs) life-changing, which it kind of was for me. I'm sorry. The hope that we have in Jesus, friends, sadly, often it doesn't even stir us to that level. But it ought to, and more so, right? Because unlike really good pizza, Jesus doesn't just temporarily satisfy our physical hunger. He eternally forever satisfies our spiritual hunger. As these women stood at the tomb that day, they were not only experiencing the, the surprising hope that Jesus eternally saves us, but that he also sends us this hope that we have. It should well up in us. It sends us. After he rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, he said to them, listen, I've risen from the dead. Look at me. You see me. I have conquered sin. I have conquered the devil and I have conquered death. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, he said to them, you go and make disciples of all nations. And he sent them and he has sent us. Jesus is saving hope. Okay, first of all, he is saving hope. He is the only eternal hope for the world. He is what the world needs, our world needs, your world needs. There is no other name by which people must be saved other than the name of Jesus. Friends, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you know that your life has been changed by Jesus. This hope that is found in Jesus has changed your life. He has given us eternal hope. So then, let this hope send us into a lost and dying world. Let this hope send us to the rooftops, if if you will, to shout it from the rooftops that Jesus is alive and he saves. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and I'm going to ask you to pray with me now. Lord, we are here today 
to celebrate the fact that you have indeed conquered sin, death, and the devil. And so we ask that this hope would well up in the hearts of your people in such a way that it sends us into the lost and dying world. If you are here today and you have not yet put your trust in Jesus, you need to know today how much God loves you. He loves you so much. The Father sent his Son to die for you so that your sins could be washed away and so that you could have eternal life, so that you could be brought into his family. You need to know today that apart from him, you are dead in your sins and trespasses and eternally separated from him. But he made a way for you to be reconciled to him. Today, he offers you eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says that as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become children of God. So if you recognize your need for Jesus today, your need for a savior and you wanna receive him, then I just wanna invite you to tell him right where you're at. You can just talk to him. Prayer does not have to be some complicated, intricate thing with big words. In fact, Jesus said, don't, don't talk to me like that. You don't need to talk to me like that. Just talk to me from your heart. And so you just tell him today. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I need a savior. I need you, the savior. I receive you into my life today. And the Bible says that when you invite him in, that he comes to, to live in you by his Holy Spirit and that you are made alive. You are transferred from death to life. Your sin is forgiven. Your slate is wiped clean. You are made a brand new creation from the inside out. This is what happens when we receive Jesus. And there are some here today that, man, listen, you've known Jesus. Maybe for a long time, but at some point you wandered away from him. And maybe it was a real slow wander. It was like a step every year, but maybe it's been several years and you're like, wow, yeah, I'm not even anywhere close to like the proximity to Jesus that I used to be. You need to know today that God's not mad at you. He's waiting for you with open arms and with love in his heart and love in his eyes. You are here today. I'm telling you right now, you are here today because God is drawing you back to himself. You don't need to clean anything up before you come back to him. I don't care how dirty your life seems. Jesus said, you come to me just like you are. I'll do the cleaning. You don't need to clean anything up. Come to me just like you are today. Today is the day for you to return home to your heavenly father. And today you can just tell him right where you're at. You can just tell him, Lord, gosh, I've been so far from you. Today I'm coming back. Lord, I'm, in, I'm inviting you back in every part of my life again today. 
You may have taken a thousand steps away from him, but it just takes one to get back to him. Make that step today. So listen, the band is gonna lead us in some songs now. And if you prayed either one of those prayers, or even if you didn't, but today you want to receive Jesus or you wanna return home to him, I wanna ask you to do something maybe kind of bold in a minute here. On my right and my left, all the way at the ends, there's these big tents, these big black tents that say Reality Ventura. And at those tents, there's a, what we call our ministry team. They're there and they have a, a, a lanyard on. It's like a, a big badge. It says ministry team on it. Or on the back, it, it would say prayer team, ministry team or prayer team. They are there to receive you as part of the family of God. I want you to get up during this, this set of musical worship here and go tell them, hey, today I need Jesus. Just say that. Just go up to them and say, I need Jesus. And what they would love to do is they would love to pray a specific prayer for you. But more than that, there is something that happens in your heart when you take a physical step to stand up, go somewhere, and to speak with your mouth. The Bible says to confess out loud our need for Jesus. And so I'm inviting you to do that today, to go tell them. And you can say it as simple as that, I need Jesus. They would love to pray for you today. Would you all stand with us? If that was you, I want to invite you to go to those, one of those tents right now during this set of music. And for the rest of us, for all of us really, actually, we are going to worship now like Jesus is actually alive. Okay, so if you thought you got to show up on Easter and listen to pretty music, that's not what this is for. Although I am thankful that it sounds pretty, you guys. We are here to worship the risen King and music is a tool by which we can do that. So lift your voices on this beautiful Ventura morning. Goodness gracious, look at the coastlands. Look at where we live. Look at where we are. If you don't live here and you're visiting, you're probably really sad that you don't live here. You can rejoice as well. Let us rejoice today in the beauty of God's creation. Let us sing about the risen one. Amen.